0: tells us to cast all our cares on God. That goes for sniffles and for bad things that are going on in our world. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God. God, we, as we come into this week where we're reminded of gratitude and thankfulness, God, we just want to take a moment and thank you for everything that you are, everything that you do. God, that um, our whole world would fall apart if it wasn't for you So we thank you that you are in our world, that you're in the midst of us, Father. God, we lay down at your feet today the things that are troubling our hearts, God, the things that are ingesting our noses. Father, we just say, have your way and be in the midst of every single moment in our life. Bring joy to circumstances, bring peace to circumstances, and bring healing to circumstances, God. We love you so much. We give you everything that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.
1: our worship team. It's amazing. Hey, y'all go ahead, have a seat. Good morning. My name is Randall. If you haven't met me yet, I'm here to do our tithe encouragement this morning. And obviously we're in a season where a lot of us are thinking about what we're most thankful for. We're kind of looking back at the year, kind of figuring out what it is in our lives that we've appreciated through 2019. And I was thinking about some of the things I've learned through this year. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was this This lesson of sometimes in our lives we have a tendency where we will grab a hold of things. We'll hold on to them. This might be, maybe it's personal relationships. Maybe it's responsibilities at work. Maybe it's the idea that you can do everything on your own. You don't need God as part of your life. When you hold on to these things, what you find is that if your hand is closed around something you currently have, it's not going to be able to be open to what God has in store for you next. it's a reflection of your heart as well. When your hand is clutched around something, your hand's not open, your heart's not open to receive whatever God has in store for you. And I think when we think about this specifically when it comes to money, we might be clutching to the idea that we're the provider for our families or that we're the ones that are making our lives the way that they are. And when you hold on to that idea, you're not ready to receive God's blessing for what he might have coming up next in your life. And open hands are a reflection of an open heart, and I think at the end of the day that's what God wants from us the most, is that our hearts are open to receive his blessings. Our hearts are open to receive what's next in our lives, because where we are today is not where we're gonna be tomorrow, especially if God is the one in control for us. So as the ushers are coming forward today, I just want to challenge you. Are you are you clutching to the idea that you're in control of your finances and that you know as long as you have money everything is gonna be okay? Or are you having your hands outward and open that God might bless you in some unexpected way that you haven't even thought of before? So there's lots of ways you can give here at Journey. It allows us to do amazing things like have this incredible worship team up here every Sunday morning, as well as some really amazing events that we're going to be talking about in just a little bit. Um, So know that if you give here at Journey Church, your money is going and making a difference in our local community now and eternally as well. You can give online. You can give in person. You can also text "give" to the mobile number there. Uh, we're going to say a blessing over today's offering, offering together. Dear Lord, just thank you so much for a season where we're habitually being thankful, where we're habitually examining our hearts to find gratitude and and things in our lives that we appreciate. I'm just so grateful that you're a God who allows us to experience that gratitude, and that you're a God who wants us to do well for each other, and for ourselves even. I'd ask that you bless the offering that's given today. Let the church use it wisely. Let us use it for positive impact here in this community. Let us use it to just further your kingdom in the Antelope Valley. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, as my wife joins me on stage, you know, she's been begging me for a while now to stop telling terrible dad jokes up here. But Thanksgiving is right around the corner and there is no way I could quit cold turkey like that. So today's announcements are going to be full of Thanksgiving references, peppered with Thanksgiving references, you could say. Uh, Fifth and sixth graders, y'all can Macy's Day parade on out of here. Thanks for joining us for worship. Head out those back doors and meet up with your group leaders.
2: All right, good morning church. So we have a tremendous opportunity this Wednesday night to serve a warm Thanksgiving meal to those in need over at Grace Resources. A big thank you to the folks who've already signed up to be a part of Wednesday's service. If you haven't, if you've been on the fence, know that we still need you. There's definitely still a need for specific food items to be brought as well as hands to serve it. So uh, we would definitely encourage you to come and help us on Wednesday. If that sounds like something you can do, I encourage you to turkey trot on over to the hotspot. After service, um, we would love to get you signed up. If you are part of the crash, y'all are gonna be serving starting at five o'clock on Wednesday and if you need more information, just make sure you connect with Chase.
1: Hey, did you know that the first Thanksgiving was celebrated about 400 years ago? And that's almost as long as Hobby Lobby and Target have had their Christmas decorations up this year. But now that it's actually Christmas season, Journey is going to be decorating today right after this service. So if you make it through these announcements, you can stick around after service. We're going to be decorating and kind of transforming the auditorium here to be ready for Christmas. We'd love to have you join us.
2: And speaking of Christmas, we are less than two weeks away from the Christmas chill. So, this is our huge Christmas party that we get to host as a church and welcome in teens and young adults in the foster care system for a night of just fun and celebration. And it takes really all hands on deck to make an event of this magnitude successful. Um, We need folks to physically be present, setting up, running, and tearing down the event, and then we also need gifts so that when these uh, attendees walk away, they have a gift bag, they have some prizes, and really feel a little bit spoiled after their time here at Journey. So if you're interested in being a part of Christmas Chill, you can sign up for as a volunteer at the hotspot, or you can pick up a gift list. And if you're planning to be out doing some Black Friday shopping anyway, just keep that list on you so that you can hunt for some good deals. There is truly a cornucopia of ways you can support Christmas Chill, and we would love to have you.
1: Speaking of Christmas chill, our Wednesday Connect event on December the 4th is specifically going to be to prepare the facility for the party on Friday night. So if you think you might want to come out and hang out with us for the Connect event on December 4th, we'd love to have you. The church is going to provide dinner, so we just ask RSVP at the hotspot. Let us know you might come. That way we can plan appropriately.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Um... So I think that's pretty much it for you today. Um, If you are new, we are so glad that you're here, and we'd love to have you stop by the hotspot, get to meet you, give you a, a gift as a welcome. Other than that, you can just stand up and tell your neighbor Happy Thanksgiving.
1: Thanks.
3: How are we doing this morning, Jenny? <clears throat> Good. Like four of you are super excited. Is it because it's Thanksgiving week? We're we feeling extra grateful for the stress that you're feeling? Thanksgiving is a funny season because I think this is uh, the time of year that, you know, it. we got movies and like Hallmark and all those great movies where, you know, you get the best, most accurate view of how relationships work in the holiday seasons. You know what I'm saying? Love that. And uh, when you have those, you get to see, you know, what all of like the family dynamics that you should have, but don't have, um, you know, how it's perfect and everything comes together, or at least there's like this big chaos, but everything's better at the end instead of just like, a year after year of chaos that you continue to live in and you don't realize like how bad it is until somebody else comes with you and they see it. But there's this interesting dynamic that comes with this season because we're talking about thankfulness. And so last week we talked about um, gratitude itself, just being thankful and how crucial it is for the season. See, I'm not here to teach you something brand new today, but the whole point of Thanksgiving, the whole point of the season, is to remember. It's to be reminded of things we already know. We know we should be thankful. Your parents probably taught you that as a kid, that like to say thank you for things that you get. Right? Right? Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not dealing with some psychopaths in this room that don't know how to to say thank you. We've got a lot to be grateful for, and, and I, I think a lot of us really believe that we feel thankful for a lot of things. But did anybody get opportunity because here's a rule of thumb: whenever you learn something new, or like God does remind you of something like at church, he always gives opportunity to like practice it the next week. Anybody have your uh, thankfulness like challenged this week, your gratitude? Like do you have that challenged a little bit internally this week? Anybody? Yeah. Had to struggle with those negative uh, connection points, the neurons in your brain. We talked about uh, neuroplasticity because for so long it was believed that your mind is fixed. That the moment that you know you go through your de- de- developmental phase as a kid, you go you become fixed in your thinking, and all of a sudden that's that's who you are, and that's what you're stuck with. If you're a negative person, you know everybody else has just got to deal with you. But what they're discovering actually in neuroscience is that uh, we are capable of rewiring our brain, something the Bible's been telling us all along, but actually science is catching up and saying with neuroplasticity, you can actually rewire your thinking and they're showing that yes, with time, you can break down those negative, unhealthy connection points that build in really negative thinking you can your brain can rewire around more positive and actually they find that there is direct connections to happiness and greater joy in your life by the, your ability to be grateful. We talked about it last week. For those of you, anybody uh, p- trying to practice being thankful for something every day this week, anybody working on that? Anybody been successful? Here's I'm trying. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's as good as it gets. You, can, you only can do what you can do. But this is an interesting, it's an interesting season for this because it's during a season when actually, you know, we joke, but really it it gets really stressful. The season starts to, I think it can bring the worst out in people, uh, myself included. When you start feeling overworked, overbooked, your weekends are all like taken up in every spare moment. You've got something going on. If not, you're preparing for the next thing you've got going on. Um, There's a lot going on in this season and gratitude is what we are, you know, we're needing the most and yet... There are different aspects to gratitude. Gratitude is, yes, in and of itself, important to say thank you, to be able to be aware of things that we, we have already been blessed with, that God has already given us. However, there are other elements to, to gratitude. And uh, I want to hit on one of those today. It's something that God's really been kind of teaching me. You know, I, I'd never really have a problem running out of material because God just shows me another thing I need to work on, and then I get to share it with you guys. So you're welcome. You know, you can learn from my mistakes. But this has been a season of learning uh, another element of gratitude, which God has been really showing me, is the idea of forgiveness. I don't know if you ever thought about forgiveness as an act of gratitude before. We know that we're supposed to, we know, you know, you've probably heard the saying like, not forgiving and holding on to resentment and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick, and yada, yada, yada. We all do that, and we know that, but we still struggle with it. Some of us, I think, are, are maybe better at forgiving than others, but I think overall forgiveness is a tough one because we really jump right into the language of, like, of legality, law, right, wrong, justice, injustice. How many of you, it is really hard for you to forgive when you feel like you've been unjustly treated? I do. <laughs> I'll say it. I think it's easy to forgive when you feel like they're, they deserve your forgiveness and, like, and it's, it's warranted. But if you feel unjustly treated, how much harder is it to like, just be like, yep, we're all good. You want to punish them a little bit. Just a little. You know, maybe nothing too crazy, but just give them a the silent treatment for a couple months. <laughs> Years? You know, I don't know. Okay, fine, just a couple days. Or you become really passive-aggressive and you got to just bring it up in, in really passive remarks every chance you get. Some of you got a couple of those. I heard one like, oh, <laughs> that's a real one. You know, we, we, we find ourselves dealing with it in any number of ways. But I think the interesting thing with forgiveness for me is God's been really showing me there's a lot of subtlety to forgiveness. Because, yeah, we're taught to, like, forgive, offer forgiveness, accept forgiveness when it's time but if you ever noticed, see, I've, because God has highlighted it for me this week and wants me to just make sure you really know how much I get to work on it, I've been noticing a lot of different elements where forgiveness comes into play. You ever been the person that uh, you're just tired and you don't really want to deal with anything, so you just offer forgi- like, you ask for forgiveness and you're just like just to appease the situation, to make things better, to smooth things over, and you're just like, I don't really want to deal with this, so if this will make you happy, I'm sorry. You ever, you ever f- had that one? The resentful, I'm sorry, or the, I'm really sorry if I hurt you when, in fact, you know, like, they know they hurt you, but they can't really fully own it, so they're going to kind of maybe own it a little bit. I'm sorry if. If I happen to do anything, it's unlikely, but I could have <laughs> to harm you, you know? Forgiveness is interesting because then there's other times, I, you know, I noticed one, once recently, um, me, I found myself just asking, like, and apologizing just to sm- smooth things over, It had nothing to do with, like, my heart connected to fixing it or anything, but it was just like, eh, I don't really want to deal with this. So let me just tell you what you want to hear so we can move on. Not true forgiveness, in case you were wondering. Jesus made sure I knew that. The other side is when you need to ask for forgiveness, but your pride kicks in and you can't. You ever had that moment? Of course not. You guys are far too spiritual for that. It's just me in here. You get prideful. You get this moment where, like, you kind of buck up and you're just like, oh, no, I'll go to my grave without asking for forgiveness. You know, I will never admit that I'm wrong. We struggle in our culture to admit we're wrong. Being wrong is hard. Admitting you're wrong is even harder. So this is an interesting topic, I think, when it comes down to it, because I think when I just initially talk about it, it's like, oh, yeah, forgiveness, yeah, duh. Duh. But when you get into it, there's a lot of subtlety that goes into forgiveness that really makes things a bit more difficult. And I don't know that we always are able to execute it quite the way we want to, the way that we're expected to, the way that God asks us to. I'm going to dive into some scripture today um, because this has been something that God, because it's been something that God's been really high- highlighting on my heart. I was uh, doing my quiet time a, a couple weeks ago, and I've done some since, but there was a couple weeks ago that I was doing one. And, uh, and I was spending time with God, and I was just reading, and this section of Scripture came up, and we usually focus on it during Easter time. It's around, the, you know, it's the story right around the crucifixion and things that are going on during this time. But I started reading this, and for me, it started to awaken just this reminder of how good God is. Because everything that last week, what we landed on, was just that we all have something to be grateful for. No matter what, you've got something you can be grateful for. And for those of us who call Jesus our Lord and our Savior, the the Messiah, the one who's saved us from ourselves, our lives, um, we've got a lot to be grateful for, and each of us are equal in that. And so I kind of want to just focus on that this morning. Um, You see, the thing that I've been getting to understand is like gratitude, forgiveness is a really big deal. Where else in your life? Do you get introduced to somebody and you are expected to ask for forgiveness the moment you meet them? In your relationship with God, that's how it starts. We kick it off. I've already offended you. And i got to ask for forgiveness the moment we walk, I walk, like, walk into a relationship with you. Is that not what we're saying when we invite, we're invited into a relationship with Jesus? Forgiveness is literally, our entire faith system is predicated on this idea of Forgiveness. So we can't minimize or undermine the severity, the seriousness of if we're going to be good at anything, we probably should be good at this. If our entire faith system, our entire belief, our entire, the foundation of everything we say we stand on is forgiveness, we may want to get good at discovering how this works. So this morning I want to read, and there's no better person to look at in this than Jesus. And I want to just kind of take a look at Jesus. Because as we, as we enter this story, can I encourage you, I always try to encourage uh, our, our congregation to, to really connect humanity to this story. This is not just listening to a story of some, you know, it's not just some cool story that somebody made up and somebody wrote down that was authored and illustrated and all the cool things. This is an account of a real, of real people, real humans Put yourself in this position to really try to connect to the humanity of what's taking place here. And I want to read this story. Buckle your seatbelts because it is a little lengthy. And we're going to just dive right into it. I am going to pray real quick because I want to just make sure this to me is a really powerful concept that God's been just kind of been weighing on my heart. Um, I want to make sure I get it right. So can we just pray real quick? God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you that your promise is that your word does not return back void. Let it sink into our hearts, resonate in our spirit. God, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do today. I pray that our ears would be opened and our hearts softened, God. Let your will be done as we read your word and learn to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to start in verse 17. Get ready for this, this is good stuff. Starting in verse 17, it says, on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? As you go into the city, he told them, you will see a certain man. Tell him, the teacher says, my time has come and I will eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus told them and prepared the Passover meal there. When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the, with the twelve. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one of them asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? He replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl with me will betray me. For the son of man must die, as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. That's rough. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you've said it. And they were eat- as they were eating, Jesus said, took some bread and blessed it. Then he, he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it in... Drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. I'm going to keep jumping in. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, and I will meet you there. Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. Peter declared, even if everyone else... Wait. Yes. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter declared, even if everyone else did deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times or three times that you even knew me. No, Peter insisted. Even if I had to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples bowed the same, Peter, Peter, Peter. Always got his foot in his mouth. We're moving on. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed With his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he turned to the disciples and found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed. My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Any of you like this? Can't keep your eyes open, it turns like nine o'clock, and you got the heavy lids. (laughs) Or you're the person who has to drive home late at night, and your friend promises you they're going to stay awake with you, and then they fall asleep ten minutes later. You know that person? Kind of like this. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's go, or let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And even as he said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people, the traitor, Judas had given them a prearranged sign. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus, greetings, Rabbi. He exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. This is Peter. It's Peter again. just in case you're wondering. Put away your sword, stupid. He didn't say that. (laughs) I just just made sure you're listening. (laughs) Those who use the sword will die by the sword, but don't you realize that I, I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he could send them instantly, but if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Then Jesus said to the crowd, am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. This, I know it's like a heavy chunk of scripture, but to me, this is, is powerful because you'd never see a person's true character till they're in the heart of something really scary, stressful, and ugly going on in their lives. True nature comes out when things get real. That's the reality of all humans. Things get When things get real, we get real. We can't help it. Things come out of us. And this is what I love because as we're talking about forgiveness and God has really been working this over in my heart, I start to see this man, Jesus, as such like... We remove his humanity from him. But I love, like, they're setting up for the, the Passover feast. The Passover is this intimate moment of connection. It is called eating at table. They don't even call it the table. It's just, it is an act of eating at table. And what you do is you would surround yourself with your closest friends, the people you believe you're going to be spending eternity with in heaven. And you would pass over this meal. This meal, the Passover, is a symbol of them being removed from slavery in Egypt, and they would take um, an animal, they would sacrifice it, wipe the blood on the doorpost, and that meant that they were gonna be protected from the death angel that was coming to kill the firstborn of every Egyptian child. This is the understanding that we're walking into. See, the betrayal is so great because this is a moment of intimacy. This is supposed to be amongst friends. There's safety here, right? This is this moment of meant to be, Jesus spent three years with these guys, picked Matthew up from a tax collector's booth, brushed him off, removed to shame, and brought him along, gave him purpose and meaning. Took the, the, you know, the brothers, and, and they were just fishermen, doing nothing really of, of significance or importance, and then brings them in and invites them into an adventure, into a story. Game-changing story. The twelve. And in this moment, they're celebrating, they're having this, and you see Jesus' true humanity come out. I can't help but feel like Jesus, it just like was boiling up inside of him as he's sitting there rubbing shoulders with his disciples. And he just like blurts out, one of you is going to betray me. Like, you can almost feel the angst, this frustration, this like, it's just there. Like, how do you sit at dinner? Last night I got to sit and we had a, uh, a giving, they called it a uh, Framily. We had family time. And this is what this is. These people become Jesus' family, and he's sitting there. And imagine you sitting out at the, around this table knowing these are the people that are going to betray me, not just like they're going to stop being my friends. They're going to betray me to death, to my death. I'm going to be killed as a result of this betrayal. Like that's crazy to me. Because what you see is Jesus sitting here, and as much as he says that, Notice the the different disciples' response. All of them are like, is it me, Lord? And Lord is this intimate, connected language. Recognize that Judas was the only one that calls him rabbi, teacher. It's just like this disconnected term, this like, I got to say, like, is it me, rabbi? Different language. Interesting. Super interesting. And Jesus in that moment could have just got up and punched him in the face. I think I would have liked that, you know? Just like, shut up, Judas. You know you're an idiot. You know, just sit down. But he didn't. He just straight up said, you said it. You're the one who said it. Judas leaves shortly after to go handle business. While Jesus takes the rest of the disciples over to Gethsemane so he can pray. Disciples all fall asleep. He takes his best friends, his three best friends, the closest ones to him, his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, brings them closer, and then goes even a little further. So the disciples are left right here, got the group of three, and then you got Jesus who walks even further to go pray, comes back and checks on him, and you can see just the frustration. You ever had a best friend that you just got frustrated with? Because you're like, do better. You're like, I need you right now, and I need you to be here for me. And you can almost hear this with Jesus as well. Like, seriously, pray. I need you to pray. I'm, th- yeah, th- I need you to pray. This is a moment that matters. You're going to be dropped into temptation. Like, it's going to get real. And he, and he comes back, and they're, they're knocked out, lounging in the grass. Their eyelids are so heavy. They just feel so sleepy. Can't help it. He finally comes back the third time and just says, look, it's time. I think it kills me that Judas betrayed him with a kiss. It was an act of friendship. It's like a, a good hug, like a warm hug for us in our culture, in their culture. Um, they'll kiss each other, and that's a, mo- that's a sign of, of connection, of intimacy, of friendship. It's relational. And that's how he's betrayed. Dang. But I think Judas gets the worst rap, but the crazy thing is, shortly after, all the disciples leave. There's not a single one of them that stayed. Every single one of them dips out in that moment. Peter whacks off somebody's ear, trying to go all gung-ho. Jesus is like, hey, you need to chill. Puts the ear back on. Everybody dips out, including Peter. We fast forward a little bit, just a little bit later in the same exact chapter... Peter denies Jesus three times. Crazy to me. Because I, th- I realize, and what God has really been showing me, for me, when it comes to forgiveness and lack thereof, I get into this justified language of who deserves it and who doesn't, and all the while I find Jesus said, oh, you were saying, we're, we're talking about deserving. Go right on ahead. What were you going to say? You deserve what? And I'm like, nothing. you know, because you realize in that moment, this is not just for people who've got big uh, shame and sin in their lives. This is not just for people who have big guilt. This is for people who've got like everyday buildup of life. Do you ever notice there's, yeah, for Thanksgiving, you may have a big party and everything gets piled up, but it's not just on holidays that your house gets messy and life gets cluttered. You ever notice that if you just Neglect it for a couple. your house for a couple weeks. Your house looks the exact same little by little more more plates and and things accumulate on the sink and in the in the dishwasher and and You know you start to see the dust bunnies running across to your floors You start to see clothes and and smell interesting smells If You don't go to a guy's dorm room. <laughs> it's like that's it. That's it for you. Honestly, I think it's the same thing, unforgiveness, hurt, these things start to, I don't, I, I don't honestly think a lot of times it's the big stuff that's always what we're stuck on, it's the everyday, like, you ever just felt like you woke up the next day and you had compromised a little bit about of who you were and who you wanted to be? Maybe it wasn't anything crazy, you didn't go buck wild, you don't, like, you don't have to do the walk of shame or anything, but you woke up and You drank a little bit more than you intended to, or you found yourself saying things that like, you know, are not true to who you are or like what you, how you want to represent yourself. Or maybe you were, you found yourself just all up in the middle of talking crap about somebody that you didn't like, and you didn't say anything. You didn't stop it. You ever just woken up with this feeling of like, I compromised who I wanted to be. Like it doesn't have to be the big crazy stuff. I compromised. That's not who I wanted to be. I let myself down, I let God down. And you have to ask for forgiveness and we have to work on it, right? Like that's the crazy thing is God is offering it to us because we need it constantly. But this is what I love about Jesus is Jesus knew what was going to happen with Judas and invited him to the Passover to eat dinner with him in an intimate setting anyways. He didn't punish him, silence treatment him. He didn't give him the cold shoulder. He didn't ruin his life. He invited him and maintained a steady connection of you're invited. You have the choice to do what you need to do, but I'm staying right here. I love this because I need this. When all of a sudden it's me in Judas' shoes on the other side, because we betray Jesus all the time. When it's me in his shoes, I need to know that Jesus never took a step back, that he doesn't need distance and space for me to think about my problems and how crappy I am of a person. I need to be reminded that he is right where I left him right there, and the moment I turn to him, he's going to accept me right back where I'm at. See, the same thing goes with you. If you don't see this fully clearly with Judas, I think it's really interesting that Jesus does the exact same thing with the disciples. They go over to the garden, and again, he blurts out, you guys, you're going to desert me. You guys are going to leave me. Like heartbreaking, heart-wrenching. He just like, I'm about to die, and you guys are about to desert me. And he goes on to say, But I will go before you and meet you in Galilee. He's not talking about tonight. He's talking about after he rises from the grave, after he he goes fully on through with the death and resurrection. He's already forgiven them and he is inviting them back into community, back into fellowship, back into intimacy, back into connection. Because he is going to go before them after he rises and invite them back into the relationship that they abandoned. He is talking already about the future of the death and the resurrection and saying, you are all about to leave. You're going to be nowhere to be found when I need you most. But I will initiate reconnection with you after I rise. And after this is all said and done, I will be there and open arms ready for relationship again. That, to me, is crazy. Because I don't forgive like that. I don't. Maybe you do, maybe you're better than I am, but I don't forgive like that. We can talk about it, but even, you know, sometimes you can, you can ask for forgiveness too soon and I'm not quite ready yet. Me and my dad had this opportunity this couple weeks ago. We got, you know, it's always fun working with your family and your dad being your boss. Makes for really interesting staff, uh, staff meetings sometimes. Um, and on this particular week, usually we're really good, actually. It's a rarity that like things get crazy, but things got a little heated in front of the whole staff. And when you got two people who are really passionate about the church and really passionate about what's going on inside of it and its ministries and, and its funds and how we're spending and what we're doing, and all of a sudden, you're gonna get some headbutting going on. Because two people who are really passionate about anything are gonna, they're gonna have moments of just like tension, right? because you got an idea of how that should look, and they do too. And I probably just should have said, you're right, but I didn't. <laughs> I did not. And so we went toe to toe for a little bit. We had to end it because the rest of the group is sitting there watching us, and suddenly their clothing is the most it, like interesting thing in the entire world, you know, checking. This is crazy stitching. <laughs> I love this like frantically scrolling through their phones, finding something to distract with as we're, you know, awkwardly like biting their fingernails to a nub and and not quite sure what to do, kind of like avoiding all eye contact in the entire room. So me and my dad finally get the hint, catch the the cues and end the conversation. But he comes back around by the end of staff meeting and is already like, hey, I just wanna wanna apologize. And I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Great. Great. So we end, because that's really all I could say, and uh, walk back into my office, only to be followed back in by him. You're clearly upset. Let's talk about this. And he sits down, like, I'm really sorry. And like, how dare you? Apologize right now. I am very angry. How dare you? How could you? You ever had that? You want to be angry, you want to sit in it for a minute, and somebody has the audacity to ask for forgiveness before you're ready to forgive them? And you know you have to because Jesus told you to, but you aren't quite ready yet? And you never say, no, I don't forgive you, but you feel it in deep in your heart? That's how I felt. He's always good at that. He is quick to to offer forgiveness, to ask for it. And God really highlighted that moment for me because I had this realization. I got work to do. If I want to look more and more like the way that Jesus forgave, I've got to be ready to forgive quicker and quicker. That's it. No more, like, distancing and silencing. And, and, and I'm not talking about, I am not talking about abuse here. If you are in an abusive relationship, the whole point of forgiveness is for reconnection and relationship. If that isn't healthy, then don't. I find people who are in abusive situations are the quick to be like, see, I got to forgive them. And step back into that. This is, not the, this is not what I'm talking about. If it is unsafe or unhealthy, you can forgive from afar. That's the reality. I'm talking about the everyday tensions and struggles and things that we go through with each other that we've got to learn and get really good at moving beyond and being able to talk through, deal with process So that we end up looking more and more like Jesus. And this is significant because honestly, when you start to look at how Jesus does this, to me, I'm blown away that he is continuously betrayed and continuously open armed. Like, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. Because for me, to have a faith that is not predicated on works, but on an understanding, you are already forgiven. You need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. And it's already offered. Handled, done deal. Jesus said some really interesting things about forgiveness. In Matthew 18, 21 and 22, we got Peter again. Peter does great work for illustrations. Maybe some of you feel like that's your life. Jesus is always like, oh, this is a teaching moment. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Like seven times. And you can tell he's like really proud of himself. Like, that's a lot, right? That's super generous. Isn't that good? No, not seven times, Peter. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven, or other translation, uh, 77 times. The idea is that it's endless, that as as many times as people ask for forgiveness, you forgive them. That's crazy, because I hate that. And yet, I take advantage of it in my relationship with God legitimately daily. Every day. I don't think there's been a day that yet that I've been able to figure out how to do it without messing up, without kind of throwing a wrench in my and Jesus' relationship in some way, shape, or form. Like I said, it doesn't have to be the big stuff. Maybe your pride got in the way. Maybe you've gone through a season where you just completely dipped out on God, and you're like, I'm going to do it myself. I gotta, I'm going to figure this out without you. I got busy, all of these things that start to get in the way of the person that we want to be in relationship with God, it starts to build up, got to come back and ask for it. He goes on from this to tell a story, uh, a parable called the unforgiving servant, and the whole basis is that there's this servant who owed this enormous debt that would have been impossible for him to pay off. He goes before the king, he owes the king this, the king uh, asks him about it. He admits it, as asks for forgiveness, asks if there's any way he can possibly, you know, right the wrong, fix the debt, which is actually impossible. King says, you know what? I'll wipe it out. You're fine. Debt forgiven completely. You owe me nothing. Walks out, turns around, and you know, because he's just gotten so much grace, flips right around on a servant that right next to him that owed him like $1,000 maybe, 100 bucks or something, goes up to him, grabs him. Where's my money? Very similar scenario happens. Please forgive me, have mercy on me, I'll, I'll pay you back. He says, nope. Throws the man and his family in prison, tells him I'm gonna have you stay there till I can, you can pay me back. King hears about it, brings the other servant back and says, I'm sorry, huh? You just put that guy in prison? Well, uh, you, know, I, um, you know, you know how we get with Jesus. I, well, I, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Yes, you know. And he, the, the king says, You wicked servant. Takes him and his entire family, brings the debt back, and throws them all into prison until they can repay, which is a never. He ends it by saying this in verse 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. See, this is interesting for me because I love that it ends it in the different translations. It still says with your heart, from your heart, that there is a difference between acting like you've forgiven somebody and from your heart forgiving somebody. And we know the difference because we so many people, we still got bitterness in our hearts towards people that we've not yet forgiven. And this is the moment where he's saying this is this is important. This is really important 1 John 1.9 says it this way, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. We confess. Some of us, it's really hard to ask for forgiveness, to admit we're wrong, To, to own our stuff is really, really tough, but it is an act of humility. It is an open door to reconnection. You know, pride, the very things that we struggle with most, pride, resentment, hurt, bitterness, anger, all of these things create hardened hearts. They, they start to, to mold our hearts into to becoming more and more hardened. And I think in a lot of ways, we actually feel like that strength. When I'm angry, I feel the most strong, even though in reality, it's the greatest form of weakness. Because all it's really doing is covering for a wound that I'm not really ready to, to address or deal with. I protect myself by distancing or removing my heart from being able to be hurt. That's not, that's not courage. That's not bravery. And I think this is the interesting thing, because in high school, I was the person, I prided myself on my ability to cut people out of my life, turn around, never look back, and it was done. Later, it's over. I don't care. And I felt so good about that until God started to really slap me with the fact that that was actually such an act of cowardice because it takes far more courage to rebuild a relationship and fight for it than it does to walk away. Hard as a lesson. See, forgiveness comes in different ways. The Bible is so clear on a couple different things. Sometimes you're going to have to talk about it. This, uh, the one in Matthew 26. There's a, there's also scripture in Matthew 18 that talks about forgiveness, and it starts with, "If someone sinned against you, go to them and talk to them about it." If you got an offense, go deal with it. Christians can be some of the best false peacekeepers. Our hearts are cold as ice towards you, but you would never see it on our faces. Good morning, brother. <laughs> Killed you in my heart right now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smile at you with my face. We, we struggle with this, and this is, I think, the tension, is this starts with us. Ephesians 4:31 and 32 says it this way. Get rid of all bitterness, all of it, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. If you didn't, like, he's just going to throw that in there. Just in case you forgot, even just in case you missed this, just a reminder, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Here's the thing. Forgiveness is an act of gratitude. It is an act of worship because, at the end of the day, forgiveness is not really about you or me at all. It is about an understanding. Every time we walk into forgiveness, we have the opportunity to be reminded of what we've already been forgiven of and will be forgiven of because you may still mess up tomorrow. Chances are good you will. Me too. And the reality is we're going to need a lot of it, and so we offer a lot of it, not because it has anything to do with what's deserved or earned anyways, because that gets real sticky real fast. That's a really messy kind of roadmap and and way of of trying to decide how we want to do things, because what do we deserve really when it comes down to it? Do we deserve all the good that we think we do? When you stand before God, no, the answer is a clear no. It's an act of worship. It's an act of gratitude. It is saying, God, I am so grateful for your concept of forgiveness. I will offer it to them. It really has very little to do with that person at all. To be, to be honest, it's not even necessarily about drinking poison and expecting the other one and, like, how we interact. It, it literally, it is about you and God. I forgive. The, the person is just me reversed, like, I've been that person time and time again. So now I'm this person. God, I am doing this because you already have and continue to and will continue to. The other side is offering forgiveness. How many of you have needed forgiveness in your life for anything in a relationship? You've like, you know, I was wrong. My bad. My bad. That was on me. How many of you have been there? You know, that was me. I got to own that. And you've needed that. You've held on to the feelings of, like, I messed this one up. I messed this thing up. And you, that weighs on you, that you hold that. To be able to offer forgiveness is one of the greatest acts of Jesus, to act like Jesus. Because when you offer forgiveness, you remove the shame and the guilt and you offer freedom to people. That is the essence of the gospel that we begin to pour out freedom on people when we give freely the forgiveness that we've been given. All of a sudden, freedom is being dispersed throughout our nation, throughout our friend groups and our families. Not because of deserve, but because we believe that the kingdom matters. And in the kingdom, there is freedom. And what is the freedom from? Shame. And if you have ever had to ask for forgiveness, you've experienced shame to some degree. And we all know what it's like to need that removed. Some of us, we gotta deal with our unforgiveness today. See, there's different ways you can, you may be the person that needs to offer it, whether you feel like people deserve it or not. But there's a the last group that I think sometimes the people that we struggle with forgiving the, the most is ourselves. I am my own worst critic. I am so hard on myself and you'll know how you interact with God and how you do with forgiveness But when you start to see how you interact with God on it when you need forgiveness the most because for me I do something. I know is wrong. I project onto God What I expect when people screw me over or make me feel upset or hurt my feelings distance So I go with God I go, okay I'm gonna give you a couple days, I'm gonna distance from you for a couple days, give you some space to let it cool down because I know you're probably really upset because I just totally slapped you in the face with that. And I would for a long time, this repetitive cycle of I would distance because I knew I messed up and, and all of it would do was worsen the cycle Of self-beating up and all of a sudden all you did was cut out the language from God and the voice from God saying I love you it's already forgiven, it's already handled can we get back to just like doing this thing together and it would spiral me into depression and all these other ugly things and more coping or hiding or shaming and really what I found is some of the people who struggle with forgiveness and offering it the most are people who really have a hard time receiving it from God We're critical and judgy and harsh because that's what we feel we deserve deep down. So we project it out. This morning, I want us to see the whole point of this is to look at Jesus because you want to see what Jesus really was like. Look at him at at the highest peak of tension and struggle and difficulty in his life. And this moment when he was betrayed by all, He, in the midst of it, was already inviting them back into relationship after he died on the cross. I'll meet you in Galilee, he said. Reinstate relationship. We're going to pray this morning. And as we do, realize that forgiveness as an act of gratitude is for human connection. It's from our hearts because we've got to get good at being able to not just let it go. The other side is just letting things go is not forgiveness because if your heart is just disconnected from them altogether you have to remove yourself emotionally from those people to be able to let that happen that is not reconnection the whole point is for this the relationship to be restored letting it go is the same thing as just distancing emotionally you may not may not be distancing physically but if you're distancing emotionally you've allowed space for that to end this morning We've got to get good at the intricacies of and the art of forgiveness. It is an art. Knowing time and place. And I want to pray this morning. Can we bow our heads? Some of you, I want to to just pray for specific people in this room. We don't do this all the time, but I want to just pray. If you know you've got unforgiveness in your heart and it's a struggle to let it go, And you feel God just kind of highlighting it and and kind of of making you aware of it. And you want prayer for it today. Everybody's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. But if you know you've got unforgiveness and you want, want to invite God into it, to begin to deal with it, even if it's not going to be a quick fix, can you just raise your hand? We're going to pray together. You feel like you've got unforgiveness, you've got bitterness. You raise your hand. Along with those, maybe this morning, you are a person who has struggled with guilt and shame and has needed forgiveness that maybe isn't offered or hasn't been offered yet, but you're struggling, and your biggest struggle is forgiving yourself, and you beat yourself up and go over the tapes in your mind day in and day out. If that's you this morning, you struggle to forgive yourself And want to be released of that this morning? Can you raise your hands? Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of folks in this place that are ready. So let's pray together. Father, I know this moment matters. This is important. I can feel the weightiness of this. I pray that in this moment, God, that you would begin through your Holy Spirit to empower us. To either offer forgiveness or have the ability to ask for forgiveness where is needed. That we would begin to make the steps because it is never easy enough to just do in one moment and one decision and one, one choice. It is going to be a fight and a battle in a lot of instances because the wounds can be really, really deep and the things can be really, really painful. But Father, I pray that we would begin to act out of a place of forgiveness that we would find it as an act of gratitude and a worship to you because we have so much to be grateful for. God, for those who raise their hands who need to forgive themselves, I pray, Jesus, that you would just give them the grace to recognize that you have already handled their business that no matter who else may try to hold that against them or or keep them held captive to their guilt, their shame, their feelings of, of needing forgiveness, God, that you are offering it already, that there is freedom in it today, and that in so receiving it, they can begin to offer it freely. God, I pray that your opinion of them would become central over everyone else's. I pray that you would just drop The weightiness on their shoulders that keeps them stuck. That this morning, theirs even would be an act of worship, an act of gratitude to allow forgiveness for themselves would be a thank you to you, Jesus, for what you've already done. God, I pray that we would worship you this morning and this week, that you would give us opportunities to practice this. That we would utilize it with our families and when we come face to face with complexity and difficulty as we face the holidays, God, that we would do this well. And in so doing that, it would revolutionize our community, our world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand and join me? We're going to sing one closing song. I want this just to be a moment of celebration. And a reminder that worship is merely an act of gratitude in itself. That we sing because we believe God is good and what he's handled is worthy to be praised. So we're going to sing. will not you join us?